Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast, the show that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bull Hagen. I'm Vicar. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. And, uh, you know, I, I've been bugging, something's been bugging me. You know what it is? So the, the no. whole, like, what's the biggest news in the world right now, Vicar? Ukraine? No, I mean really big news. I mean, the as economy? we record this anyway, it's Will Smith, right? <laughs> right. The slap hurt around the world? The slap hurt around the world. And, and when I really need in-depth news analysis, where do I go? the internet no (laughs) especially if the news is particularly bothersome news that bothers berg yes yes that's right besides this i mean if you want to really have your podcast go up in the world right Mm -hmm. you have to say something like we'll be analyzing the will smith slap so we can get some more listens right so people, oh, it's talking about Will Smith, and boom, they're hearing about uh, Jesus judging. Yeah. <laughs> Just put it in the title, the podcast title. So um, what I thought is, I'm going to try and call Berg. Okay. Because we don't even know if he's alive, do we? Have we heard anything from him? Does he- I haven't talked to him. Have you seen any weird logins from Wyoming? Actually, now that you mention it, I haven't. Hmm. How How is our listenership from uh, Wyoming? We can actually tell if he's actually been listening to the show by how many downloads we have from Wyoming this month. Let's check. We don't have to look. Let's be honest. Let's check here. We we know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got it logged in right here. Uh, Yeah. Password is blah, 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 blah. All right. Uh, Stats. Over you. U.S. Um, so, so far this month, uh, we have five downloads from Wyoming. Ooh, it could be him. All right, well, maybe. Although he's, I think he said there's some listeners of the show down there, too. Uh, Not very good listeners, I suppose. So, so maybe I should ask him, uh, since he's been gone, what's his favorite episode? That's the first question. Or I got I got to get his response to. Uh, well, so you're you're gonna call him? I'm gonna call him, right? Maybe see if he had any trouble setting up the new equipment too. <laughs> right. So so help me out. Remember this because I get in a conversation. I forget. We need to know his reaction to the Will Smith slap, right? right. And uh, um, what uh, specifically items in the catechism uh, do we need to be concerned about with that slap? <laughs> You writing this down for me, Vicar? Yeah. All right. We also need to know uh, what his favorite episode that of his since he's been gone, and why. Okay. All right. You got anything else? Any trouble with the equipment, maybe? Right. Any trouble with the equipment? So, all right. Let's go. Uh, enough nonsense. Let's give this man a call. Hello, is, is this Pastor Berg? It is. Hey, this is the Clerical Heirs Podcast. Oh, hey, how are you guys doing? Good, good. So uh, we were getting off the, the uh, starting off the podcast, and we were wondering, we have something very important we need to discuss. Okay. By the way, how are you doing? Good? <laughs> Living the dream. <laughs> so we really um, need to know. I was at my installation, so... Was that Vicar? What? Fifteen point oh. Fifteen point oh. So, yeah. How, how's his I family guess, doing? Good. That was never that good. Yeah, I saw him. He was pretty good. So, I told him he was shirking his duties by not sending in more Western reports. So. <laughs> um. So the first thing I want to ask you is, uh, we, you know, you are a go-to news correspondent, right? So. Oh, yeah. 
We're we're having trouble make sen- making sense of the Will Smith slap. Oh, the the slap. Yeah. With yeah, where Will Smith slapped uh, uh, Chris Rock, right? Right, right. The slap, the slap heard around the world. Right, right. And I yeah. wanted to use this to talk about the what what kind of catechism items do we learn from this? What kind of catechism? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, obviously the fifth commandment, right? Obviously, yep. All right. Then we got the uh, Eighth Commandment. Yep. In what way? Well, he was uh, not putting the best construction on Will Smith's wife's alopecia. Yep, that's true. And you could even say that uh, Will Smith, you know, for as as screwed up as his... uh, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, it's a Sixth Commandment thing, too, at least with him, because... They have what's called an open marriage, which is pretty gross. But uh, he still, even though he is godless in that way, he still like tries to defend, you know, his wife's honor, as skewed and as corrupted as that is. So even the world knows something of honor. Yeah. Well, I, I admired the form. I mean, he he he. But, just, I he, mean, honestly, I wish Will Smith would have been a little bit more of a man. I mean, if it if it warrants a slap, it warrants a slug. That's true. That's a good point. So, you know. That's a good point. See, didn't you miss so, us, yeah. Berg? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, we were wondering, uh, since you've been gone from, from us a little bit, uh, since you uh, went back to, went to uh, Wyoming, what has been your favorite episode? <laughs> you know, I haven't had a chance to listen to any single one of them. <laughs> Well, we appreciate your honesty because if you mention something, we're going to ask why and watch you stumble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to listen to him because I figured you guys snuck something in there, but we've been trying to get our house together and everything, so I haven't I haven't gone back and listened to anything yet. So you can listen while you're getting your house set up. Just think of what kind of catechesis would be for your son. I I know exactly walking uh, around saying Peter play catech- intro. He, yeah, he he uh, he prefers the uh, um, cat- the catechism of Coco Melon. So <laughs> he's a little obsessive with it. So so uh, so things are going well, though. You got you were your installation was on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it went well. Um, we got the house pretty well settled, which is nice. So yeah, just uh, you know, I of course have to start, you know, with uh, you know. I have to start really quick because obviously, uh, you know, I'm that kind of guy, right? Yeah. Where, you know, I just hit the floor running, you know. Uh, but that's the thing, run spring break here, so well, I'm working by myself. No one else is around. That's your favorite kind. My favorite time. <laughs> um, and uh, Peter wants to know if you've had any trouble setting up the equipment. Uh. Well, it's still in the box, so no, I haven't had any trouble at all. I'll get to it. I know, I I know, I know you've been a busy man. So, I mean, I am I am closer to heaven here than you guys are. So, can you do me a favor? Compare the What's pastors that? in Wyoming to the pastors in Iowa. Well, you know, you uh, it's kind of like uh, your favorite Clint Eastwood movie, right? Uh huh. And which one is that? Um, the one with the monkey. Yeah, exactly. Right, turn Clyde, is that? (laughs) So you can figure out which ones are the monkeys and which ones are the Clint Eastwoods. (laughs) So you got, you have a cowboy hat and boots? Uh, No, I actually want to go get some boots, though. uh, They sound very comfortable, so. So yeah, no 10-gallon hats for me, though, yet. So I haven't changed that much. All right. Well, uh, we wanted to just uh, have you on for a minute, get a catch up. We miss you, man, and hopefully, uh, yeah. s- soon uh, we can get you in a regular podcast. Maybe. Yeah. For, no, that sounds great. For or, or we can try and find a way for Easter to do a surround sound episode from all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be great. Well, thanks for calling. Yeah. Good to hear you. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll tell the listener you'll be back on soon. 
Yep, absolutely. So because we spent a lot of right. money on your equipment. <laughs> exactly. I will be on. I I promised I would. So. Yep. Yep. All right. God bless, brother. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye. Yep. Bye. Well, there you have it. What do you he, think, Pete? He's alive. You can hear you anything, think, did you? You think you think he forgot about us? No. So, oh, we got a drink here. Uh, Vicar's got a, a Purée Lime, and I have a Splendrift. Yep. By the way, to the listener, I want to vow it. If you see Splendrift, um, their grapefruit and lime are very good. It really does taste like they squeezed real fruit in it. Not the kind where it, it tastes like your sparkling water was in the same truck as a lime. It actually tastes like it has lime, and this grapefruit has grapefruit. Somebody at the factory thought really hard about lime before they put the lid on. Right. But there's a little lime taste to the puree. Yeah, they're not bad. I don't mind it. So, do you have anything, Pete? You're just trying to stay awake, man. Yeah, I've had a long day. This IT stuff has got you going. (laughs) Yeah. So, hey. Good work. Hey, uh, what am I preaching on? Well, we have the Lent 5 text from John chapter 8. All right. Let's do it. Jesus said to them, Say it like you mean it. If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So what do you think of that, Vicar? What what sticks out to you about that? I like that Jesus is proclaiming I am and he ties them into being sons of Satan at uh meanwhile they they throw the same accusation at him right right so when you're preaching this right you're gonna have to uh kind of think well what do the people need to hear from this text okay one thing that I I kind of notice right away is is you have the opponents of Jesus and his word not just saying, okay, we disagree. You're a little off track. They say, now we know you're a Samaritan and of... The devil. The devil. You have a demon, right? hmm And one thing you'll notice, I think, in the last 10 years or so, it's gone from, from okay, you're the church, we don't believe in you, to now the church is now viewed as dangerous. Have you noticed, any of you have noticed that switch? Oh, yeah, especially with the pandemic. Right? So uh, so one thing you can say is you can just look at 
their vehemence against God. Another thing that I can see here is uh, I do believe that the Jews that Jesus is talking to are very sincere. What do I mean by that, Vicar? Their passion comes from actually caring for what they believe about God. They actually think that they're protecting Abraham, Mm -hmm. that they're protecting uh, what Abraham gave. Meanwhile, they're actually rejecting the one that Abraham looked for. And so I do believe, they think, they believe, one, that they are keeping the commandments, um, and they do believe that uh, they're protecting uh, their idea of, of what faith is supposed to be, but they're rejecting Christ. So they call God's, God evil. They see what Jesus doing is dangerous, that Jesus himself has a demon. And so ultimately for the listener, I think it's important to see how it is they get from knowing God's word very well to the word of God being dangerous. Because these guys, they do know the Old Testament. They know it very well. They know Jesus's references. And so they had gone from now, in a sense, closing their hearts to the word of God. And uh, that's something I think it's very important to bring out in this text is, and we've talked about this a lot, is we talk about in this sense, we ask, we talk about being a good preacher of a sermon, right? Right. But we, we also have talked about a being a good listener, okay? Uh, they had closed their ears to being an actual good listener to what Jesus was preaching and teaching. Because they had nothing that they could say to find fault with what Jesus taught. They couldn't find fault with Jesus' life. And every time they do, they're kind of grasping at straws. And, and because they, they can't, what they do is they just refuse, in a sense, they refuse the Holy Spirit. They refuse that the Word of God can actually change their thinking and their heart and what they believe. And to me, this is the challenge of preaching, is you have people who, they come with their own ideas of what faith is, what God's Word says, and sometimes that has to be challenged. You have to challenge what is it that you believe and how, what does God's Word say to confront it? When we talk about, I talk to you sometimes about sermons, I say, what kind of improper thinking or improper theology does this reflect? Right. And so part of it is, I think in this text, is how do we prevent this from happening? How can we prevent the listener from thinking they know God's word, thinking they know what's right, thinking they know what's loving, uh, apart from God's word? And how can you lead them to to actually, in a sense, uh, pray for the Holy Spirit, pray that the Holy Spirit uses that word to actually change their hearts, to address whatever is untruthful, to address lies that surround them, and to hear God's word with an open ear, not with any kind of uh, confirmation bias, which is, I think, a big thing. We've talked about this a long time, right? Mm-hmm. We don't go to a, you don't go to a church to hear what you think is right. You go to a church because they preach God's word, so it can confront in you what is wrong or right. And this text says, it's because you cannot bear to hear my word. I mean, they could hear it if they tried, but they just don't want to. And that's often how people could perceive the mess- some of the messages of Scripture today. They know it's right, they just don't want to hear it. Or it challenges them so much to the core, they have to change a lot of things in their mm-hmm. own thinking, and it's just too much. Um, and so... I guess that brings up against the, the great sin of sinning against the Holy Spirit, right? Have you, I'm sure you've have you thought about that. And I guess the one thing I will say about sinning against the Holy Spirit, like if someone's in the pew and they're afraid, am I sinning against the Holy Spirit? 
okay, then it's probably not. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you're earnestly, you know, th- these guys that Jesus is talking to, they want to stone him. They close their ear. Are they worried? Oh, no, maybe I've sinned against the Holy Spirit. No. No. And this, to me, kind of foreshadows Stephen's stoning. And at that point, when they heard his message, they actually covered their ears and started, like, shrieking or something. And then they picked up stones. Which Which is interesting, too, because, yes, Jesus is teaching law, but he's also trying to open their... You know, I am. I am the one who's going to save you. He's bringing good news. And even the good news was hard for them to hear. It was too challenging. And uh, and so that, that's a, another aspect. Um, but uh, ultimately, um, to the listener, if you, you think, um, well, we get too much into theology in sermons or in Bible study, um, this is... Theology and its discussion and its understanding is heaven and hell in this lesson. That's what they're discussing. Who is Abraham? What did God say through him? What does it mean to be a child of Abraham? What does it mean to be a child of God? What is truth? Where do you find truth? Who speaks truth? Who do you think you are? And whether it's trying to prove that they you should be listened to by their bona fides, you know, we're children of Abraham. How you're not even fifty years old, Jesus, and then Jesus, but I am the great I am, so there's that. And he's proving it. it's not just blood lineage that makes you a son of Abraham or a son of God, ultimately. It's, it's Christ. It's him. And, and I think that's a... It's a and, and you notice you see here the theme that we've seen throughout Lent, more discussion on really the, the, the battle of good and evil within the hearts of men, whether it's the uh, Jesus in the wilderness with the devil, Jesus driving out demons on two different occasions. Um, we got a little bit of respite with the, the, the Jesus miracle of feeding the 5,000, but then we're right back at it here, mm-hmm. uh, bringing it to a head to, to discussing really those who will wind up killing Jesus, why they did it. And, uh, um, and part of it is too, they were in power to a certain degree, at least Rome was in power, and they were kind of little puppets. They didn't want to rock, rock, rock the apple cart. But ultimately, all that just, they can no longer hear God's word. Um, and I would suppose to the listener, um, not everyone gets along with their pastor sometimes. Okay? And I think this has a something to say about that as well. Um you know, I've talked to to people before where they've said, well, as long as he's the pastor, I'm not going to listen. And in a sense, because it comes from a, someone that they don't want to hear, then they're not going to hear God's word. There's something to be said about also then th- how you listen to your pastor and uh, and and not be offending at what he says, especially if it's according to God's word. Um, and that, that's a lesson, too, that I can say on a podcast where it's, you know, where, um, because for men, most of you, I'm not your pastor, obviously. I'm just a podcaster. And so it's encouragement to listen to your pastor and to, to listen to God's word, if indeed he is preaching God's word, um, and to, to allow that word uh, send the Holy Spirit to change you, to protect you. Because we know from the Catechism, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. So, by the way, I've been having, uh, a, this is a fun time in, in confirmation for me. Why is that? Because, because they're really learning the Catechism now mm-hmm. by reading the the six chief parts at home each week and then reread it in class each week and uh we can we to the pastors listening because we do it every week we can now have the class read the catechism the six chief parts in under 10 minutes <laughs> it doesn't have to take that much time mm-hmm. what's nice is is uh 
because of that, you ask, well, what are the benefits of baptism? And rather than having to scratch their head, now what are the answers? They can just rattle off catechism answers left and right. And so um, it really is helping them. So pastors, that is a good way, uh, I think, to have them read it at home, have them sign it, parents sign it. You know, don't do, <laughs> watch them. I had one uh, one parent for some reason couldn't spell their mother's name right. <laughs> or the mother couldn't spell her own name right. That had to be addressed. <laughs> but um, but uh, it really is helping. But I digress. Any final comments, Vicar? Well, I think this text, we could take it all the way back to the garden with Satan there, the father of lies. But that's it. That's all I would. Hmm? I like to go there when we can. You know, that, that, is, that is, I've noticed mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, vicars love to do that. They love going back to Eden. That's the beginning. Have you noticed that, Peter, before? I feel like it's a pastor thing. Okay. Right? Well, I'm, you know, like those first few sermons, it's like the history of the Bible. <laughs> Not for the vicar, like the first one you write. Anyways. It's kind of where you, you start learning from, and that's okay. You build on it. All right. Well, that brings us to a new segment. What do you want to call this, Peter? Uh, I don't know. Because dram- it's going to be a dramatic reading of a paper I wrote. Uh, this would be uh, my second year of seminary. It doesn't have to be a segment. We can just do it. Well, I, well, I kind of like the. Well, it's a. Uh, to me, it's a. You know how we we hear a a, a sermon and there's kind of a it's kind of a historical moment. You know, I look at this and I think, wow, this is kind of interesting. You know, twenty. I was twenty two, so that would have been twenty six years ago, twenty seven years ago, maybe. Um, and I got an A on this paper. So, um, wait, can we can we take a step back here? So. How in the are you holding are you holding on to this paper because you're proud of it or did you go find it somewhere? How did you get a hold of it? Um, I was looking for something, and I was in you know those those uh those cupboards underneath my books. Yeah, I was looking for something in there and like oh looks an old paper. When I looked That's... at it, I got an A on that. It must be pretty good. <laughs> okay, have you read it since, or are you about to? Read I've it looked it over. I. I don't read things completely through, do I? <laughs> Vicar, you read it. I did. What'd you think of it? Is it an A paper? I thought so. The The guy that graded it was gracious on skipping some of the typos, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, punctuation stuff. It's all right. It's a product of its time. But the the text is, I mean, I think it's good. Wait, why don't you judge for yourself, Peter? All right. All right. So, um, so going back, why at 22... I would maybe I was listening to a lot of gangster rap at the time. So, what year was this? This was 1995. Peter, what were the what was the, yeah what, what was, was the in, music of 1995? What were the top ten songs from the first week of November 1995? Oh, number one, Bombastic by Shaggy. Oh, oh, great music. All right, so yeah, go go to the list right there, the one that because. I want to see the list. So, Gangster's Paradise. Number one was Gangster's Paradise. That explains it. <laughs> and then shortly after, it would be Amish Paradise, right? <laughs> With Weird Al. So, uh, yeah, number 10 was This Is How We Do It. Oh, that's a great. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Um, there's a Take a Bow by Madonna. Don't take it at personal. Just one of those days by Monica. Yeah. Uh, Fantasy, Mariah Carey. Uh, take a bow. Freak like me. Water runs. One runs dry. Huh? So does that that help place context? The number one song What's that, that Dr. year. Dr. Dre one. I don't know that Keep one. Their heads ringing. You don't know Big Papa? Oh, Big Papa. I know that one. Yeah. Okay. So is that that kind of? Give you an idea. So you're a young man in Fort Wayne. 22 years old. Dreaming of the city. That's right. 
venturing out in a few short months to my vicarage. And I wrote a uh, paper entitled Gang Activity and Pastoral Counseling, which I might add, um, I think fully prepared me for Iowa. <laughs> Can we get going already? We've hyped this up for like five minutes straight and there's no way it's worth the hype. Can we get All going? Right. <laughs> Let's get this over with. <laughs> you might have to light a match when we're done. Hey, Peter, can you... Can you... Can you uh, I, I want some music behind this. I knew you were going to ask for music. I You said, hey, Peter, can... And uh, I knew. Hey, and it's on gang activity. All right? All right, I'll try and find, like, some off-brand of Big Papa. <laughs> All right. Like the karaoke version or something. All right. So you think I should... Let me take a... I'm going to need a sip of grapefruit here. Uh... Hey, it's good having you back. Peter, it's great having you back on the show. I just get tired of staring at Vicar. (laughs) No one blames you there. Yeah, I should get going. All right, here we go. Yeah, you should. This selection was written by Carl Bullhagen. Oh my gosh, just do it! (laughs) Just read the paper! (laughs) It is entitled, November 1995, Gang Activity and Pastoral Counseling. Hey, when was this made again? What was the title? I I missed that completely. Just go. All right. It seems quite clear to most that the problem of gang activity is staggering. Every major city in this country has problems with gangs, mainly because they are violent. At least 1,000 murders a year, and they are responsible for a major portion of the drug trade. The Gangster Disciples brings an estimated $300 million a year in drug sales. How to deal with a young gang member is something every inner-city pastor should know, because it's so prevalent. Pause. This may be the widest description of gang violence that I've ever heard in my entire life. There are at least 1,000 murders a year, and they have drugs. And they probably play hey. basketball. <laughs> hey. hey, no, wait. You guys are injecting race in here. There's nothing in here about race. That's a you problem, man. Uh, you know what? I, all I'm saying is that... Uh, I see no color here. <laughs> that, that may be the problem. <laughs> <clears throat> For instance, it is estimated that 80% of the boys who are 13 to 15 in some South areas of Chicago are involved in gangs. Unfortunately, the church and the forgiveness oh, fortunately, excuse me. Fortunately, the church and the forgiveness of Christ may offer some solutions. <laughs> That's kind of weak. It might offer <laughs> there's a slim chance the gospel might do something. <laughs> hey, you really did just skim this, huh? You got an A for this. Like, A! All right, continue. Background A, biblical A, practical B plus. All right, uh, biblical perspective. Now this is this is this is very good. This part. All right. Are you losing respect for me? No, but I want to watch Peter's face while you read it. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, start the music. Certainly, gang type activity is nothing new. In fact. All the way back to Genesis, Jacob's son, son, Simeon and Levi, in gang-type fashion, murdered every male in a village and then looted it for the honor of their sister who had been raped. Okay? A little in... This is... I can... Knowing myself as I read a paper from myself from 26 years ago, you notice why I said murdered every male in a village? I was too lazy to look up the name. Of the village. <laughs> Or cite the text from the Bible. <laughs> uh, no, I do. I actually cite it, Genesis okay. thirty-four. But then I'm like, Ugh. is it a product a product of its time to call it gang type violence? Uh, I think so. All right, just makes it sound I've, smarter. I've, I've never heard of that one. Remember, I was twenty-two years old, trying to sound smart and like a pastor. Okay, <laughs> and two years later, this guy was. Mm. 
<laughs> Back, I was a father. Was I? No. When were you born? Not yet. When was I born? <laughs> no, you would have. You were. You were in womb. I was I at this time November. Yes. Yeah. I Nove- yeah. Yeah. So. Gang type activity apparently. All right. <clears throat> Anyways. Uh, it is. Play the music. It is simple human nature that causes such behavior, and the pastor is responsible to bring the gospel so that the old man causing all this pain and destruction may die. Ooh, ooh, ah. The gospel. How about the law? They need the law. Don't they? They do. I mean, before you get the gospel, okay, I'm, I'm, all right, I would not have given myself an A so far on that part. Right? Pastor is responsible to bring the gospel so that the old man causing all this pain. Well, certainly the gospel brings change, but the law kills. Yeah, the man. they need the law. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Jesus knew how to deal with gang members. Can I have that on a t-shirt? Can we sell that? Jesus knew how to, how to deal with gang We're members. We're all in the same gang, dog. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> in his day, in Jerusalem lived the Zealots, who were fiercely opposed to the rule of the Romans and would do anything to be free from the Romans, including violence. How did Jesus deal with them? He made one of them a disciple, an apostle, Simon the Zealot. Jesus in his ministry also included prostitutes, tax collectors, and a thief on the cross, all to whom he offered his gospel and the forgiveness of sins and pastors who are ambassadors of him have the same responsibility. If the pastor gets a chance to counsel a youth in gang activity, he needs to show him this love that their life is missing without the harshness that may scare them away from authority figures. Okay, stop there. I'm going to stop there. Part of it is, as I think from a practical ads point, since this is, I'm speaking behind the collar, and this is one who was only wearing the collar to look smart when he went to his field ed church, um, is uh, you actually talk to them when they're broken by the law. Okay? And I think Jace has a good example of that. When right. did, what, what was it, Jace? He heard the gospel a lot more clearly when he was first broken there by the law. There's a real-life example. Mm-hmm. Right? So I would tell, I would, I would have, man, were they scared of me that he gave me an A on this? <laughs> what was going on? Uh, did they scared did of they 22 know? year old you? No. Uh, did they know his father? <laughs> Maybe. That's more likely. Like a, this is an A paper. Let's just say you, you weren't, uh, you weren't hitting the freak factory at 22. Oh, I was, I was, uh, I have pictures dunk. of you from when you were 22. That's true. I was pretty skinny, but I was ripped. I was skinny ripped. Sure, sure. But you could dunk, right? Oh, yeah. Right. All right. Baller. That's right. <clears throat> Shot collar. Gangsta. <clears throat> yep. Um, I continue. <laughs> Where was I? If a, pastor gets, a pastor gets the chance to counsel youth in gang activity, he needs to show him his love. That their life is missing without the harshness that has scared them away from other authority figures. What this shows is that the church can play a very important role in transforming the life of a gang member. The first and most important way, as, as he has been shown, is through the gospel, which transforms. This happens through counseling that focuses on baptism and the cross. Romans 6, 5, 6. I'm going to pause it there. Typical seminary and go-to move, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? I just have this vision, you know, a pastor, you know, speaking to a, a gang member, like, he comes in, let's talk about baptism. <laughs> I don't know. What am, what am I missing, Peter? I don't know what you want, man. <laughs> this, this paper is hurting me. <laughs> if we have been united with him in it, in his death, we'll certainly be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old Adam's old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. 
This is the kind of hope and transforming power pastors can offer a youth entangled in gang activity. This, can we, I want to pause here again. I figured it out. So you know how you tend to have vicars sometimes that have papers or sermons that read like papers? Yes. This is like you don't know how to write a paper, but you knew kind of how to write a sermon. So you did that instead. Okay. First of all, what you need to understand is when you're 22 years old and you have undiagnosed attention difficulties, you have no idea how hard a paper is to write. Especially after going to school and then working my eight-hour shift at the grocery store, coming home at 11, writing a paper. Because they don't allow this anymore, but I was working 35 hours a week at the grocery store while I was in the seminary. So, uh, we were entangled in gang activity. Well, okay, yeah. This gospel of Jesus Christ can give these troubled youth something that they are in desperate need of. That is, self-worth. It is clear that a gang, mem- a g- gang members lack self-worth because they are often entangled themselves for such thing as power within a gang and money. If they had more self-worth, they might realize that the gang is not worth losing their life for. This lack of self-worth makes it easier to be violent towards others because they reason that others may not be worth much either. But the gospel can show them that they are important enough for the blood of Christ. The gospel can show them that God has a special plan for them. It is important for them to take care of themselves and others. Oh, ah. what do you think? Are you mansplaining gang violence? <laughs> I wonder if we could submit this in St. Louis or some kind of publication. <laughs> As a current... I got an A on this. Document. You You're know? like psychoanalyzing why people join gangs in the middle of this paper. <laughs> Were you considering joining one in Fort Wayne? Have you ever met a gang member before? Yes, I did, actually. Really? Yes. True story. I got called in to work at the grocery store to work because the person that I was supposed to work for uh, was arrested for he and his brother killing someone for $20. I got called in for murder that year. Okay, but like, so, did you talk to the guy? Like, were you on yeah. good terms, or it was just like, that's the guy over there that I don't talk to? No. Did you try to witness to him? Yes, I sat down and I said, "Let's talk about your let's talk about <laughs> baptism, your your violent <laughs> tendencies." <laughs> you have any drugs? <laughs> You don't have any self-worth. <laughs> <laughs> I have a brochure for you. <laughs> Maybe you can play a little b-ball later. Hey, right. I got a 20 in my pocket. <laughs> All right. Anyways, where was I? You were mansplaining about gang violence. Okay. Now I'm going to... Man- <laughs> Oh, this is cringeworthy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Inner city youth often crave to have some sort of structure in their lives. And a a gang can at least provide some structure when all other structures around them seem to have failed, such as the family institution and school. The church can be a source of structure in the life of a youth. In doing this, a church can make itself available through outreach to these youth Reduce their need for structure that draws them into gangs. That's right, kids. Don't join a gang. Join church. (laughs) All right. Almost halfway done. Oh, gosh. (laughs) How are we doing on time? Do we need to finish this next time? We're fine. We got another 20 minutes. It's fine. All right. it 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 feels like it's going way slower than it actually is. I'm surprised you're not speaking from the catechism yet. Maybe it, maybe it'll come. Well, I don't know. When was the last time you got an in a paper? There's been quite a few. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know what? Do you have you have a pastoral counseling next year? I already had it. Oh. Cuz that would be funny if you tried to turn this paper in again. <laughs> With I got to see who the new guy is. Maybe I could convince somebody to do it. 
All right. <clears throat> How about some practical aspects? Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Let's talk to music. First, the best way to get the youth to avoid gang membership is prevention. Because once loyalty is established, it is hard to break them of their allegiance. What this means is providing structure early in the life of the youth because kids are drawn to gangs early. Because gang leaders know their punishment is smaller than adults. That, by the way, somebody said this in confirmation yesterday. I, I, I uh, use an example of robbing a liquor store, as most pastors do in confirmation class. Okay. And uh, the kid I worry the least amount in that class, okay, not your daughter. Okay. Right? Uh, I mean, outside, you know what I mean. Yeah. He said, this is why you rob a liquor store before you're 18, because a punishment is less. That kid's got a future. Did he, did he also say bring a step stool because the good stuff's on the top shelf? <laughs> well, so we had a conversation on self-worth. <laughs> it is also important to realize that you seem to have the most commitment to their peers. That means that asking them to break that commitment and leave a gang is hard. It is important to prevent gang membership before this commitment is too strong. Well, that actually, that actually speaks to our text, doesn't it? What's the connection? To they had to the those who rejected Christ had way too much to lose to turn all that to uh, to to take up this cross right they they are too deeply involved mm-hmm. in their traditions and their political structure and their the their, kingdom they built is how I kind of think of it right yeah so I sh- I should have brought that up I didn't. Next time you preach it. Yeah. By the way, you know, uh, so I mentioned having ADD and writing papers when you're undiagnosed. You know, I would actually type it in courier, which makes it look like it's typewriter written, right? Mm-hmm. And I would do it in 12.5 point font. So it doesn't look bigger, but it's bigger. And I saved a half a page of words. Wow. Nowadays, what we do is we make the periods really big. Oh, Make Pro the periods tips. like twenty four font. Oh, and and I was the first one you who do like one point two margins. Pro tips. All right. When counseling a gang member, insist on a clean <laughs> break from the gang. No more ties with members should be kept. Not only would they put more stress on the youth for quitting the gang, it might simply be dangerous to the youth, because he has, in the eyes of a gang made himself an enemy of the gang. I have no idea if that's true. Anybody? Uh, you know what they say about snitches? Snitches get stitches. All right. Which is funny, because I was writing this paper on gang membership, and then I was listening to Gangster's Paradise in my car on the way to the grocery store. <laughs> it is very important for youth to win the trust, to win the trust of youth. A gang member has learned not to trust anyone because they are a possible threat. So if the pastor is able to build trust with the youth, he will be able to uh, to be a bigger influence with the youth. Building trust means not being too judgmental. Hmm. That was underlined. Like, good job, Bullhagen. I kind of know what you meant by that. Well, there is a certain aspect of of uh, putting yourself in their shoes, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like kind of like. Um, for example, let's say, uh, and I think this is a very important to to you or to sometimes new pastors, is well, I'm gonna put you in this scenario, Vicar. Okay, someone comes to you, they say, uh, we want our daughter baptized. Okay, mm-hmm. and you're like, great, right? And we uh, have some sort of a Christian background somewhere, but it's not really strong. And they say, um, and and you go visit, they come to visit maybe church once or twice, and so you go visit them at their home, and you find out that they're not married, and they have a child together, and something obviously needs to be done, right? Right. Right. So I would say probably uh, Bullhagen, when he was first a pastor, right, would have said, all right, you need to do something about this. As if to say, 
okay, in my first meeting with you, even though you have no idea who I am, you have no trust in me, uh, I want you to drastically change your life immediately. Like, I can't marry you, you're living together, and and I when I it essentially would close their ears to actually hearing God's word. Okay? So what do you do? You say, let's learn about what the Bible says. And you invite them to learn, and you walk through the catechism so that they understand, you can teach them what God's word is, and you can build trust, and you can show them what faith is, what forgiveness is, what the Ten Commandments are, so that when it comes to, after a few sessions like that, to say, okay, they say, and this has happened to me, something like this scenario, and they say, well, this needs to be fixed. If I would have jumped in and just, boom, I expect you to, to make a decision for Jesus, boom, you have him in Christian, now, today, I expect you to be Christian or else what are we doing here? Right. You know, you have to, to lead them and guide them. Um, and when they're, you know, when they're coming to church, they're not taking communion anyways. And, and, but you're, you're building trust in them. You're teaching them. You're showing them. And you have their ear rather than closing their ear off to hear God's word. And I guess that's one lesson that I, I would say uh, when I was first a pastor, I would have handled a lot differently than I do now because it's like I would have expected them, boom, you need to be, all right, you need to fix this. You want to be Christian? Okay, let's be Christian. And, um, you know, I did give them a healthy dose of the law as I was teaching them, but it took, it took time. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, that's actually why I understand maybe what I might be trying to say, which at that point I didn't understand. It took me years later to understand this point. Um, but uh, to say, okay, let's talk about what God's word says. Let's meet. Let's open up our Bibles. Let me give you a catechism and let's look at these things. Um, look at faith in general, who God is, how we know what is right and wrong. You know, what does it mean that he's our creator? What does it mean that Jesus died? What does it mean to be repentant? And then they can put it all together. You can't meet with them like on a Thursday evening after you've had dinner and the, the baby's crying and they're not really paying attention as well as they should and say, okay, all right, you guys need to get married. It's, yeah. Which, as I look back, is probably my first couple of years of as a pastor, I probably would have done something like that. Building trust with youth also means conf- confidentiality. The pastor needs to ensure that the youth knows. What is going on in this session? This sounds like an after-school special. Yo, bro, this is between you and me, man. There's only three people in this room. You, me, and God. (laughs) (laughs) And you might not tell me the truth, but... Anyways, building trust also means simply loving that youth. Youth needs to understand that the pastor is counseling out of love and concern. And it's not out to get something from him like everyone else in the world. That's an important point. The pastor should direct the youth to look towards the future. What kind of future does this gang offer? What kind of future does Christ offer? Five years down the line, who will still be by his side? Looking to the future is a new kind of thinking for a gang member because they want the money and the power right away, no matter what and where it takes them. Uh, the most important thing a pastor has in, count- in, the, in a counseling situation is a cross and baptism, especially when dealing with youth that may be involved in gang activity. That can give the youth a bigger motivation for leaving a gang than anything. This is what the pastor needs to always remember in this situation. All right. The end. So, Vicar, what have you learned about gang Wait, activity? Wait, you had one last paper. What does the last paper say? Is it just a big old paper that says the end? <laughs> It's no, it's my uh, bibliography. bibliography. You have a bibliography? Have, which is the worst bibliography I've ever seen. I got an A on this. Three references. <laughs> that, that was probably the minimum. <laughs> Three references. Okay, one reference is uh, for, uh, an article from The Economist, There Are No Children Here, which was a three-page article in The Economist. That was the first one. Okay. The second one is... The Concordia Self-Study Bible. (laughs) Uh, 
And the next one is uh, a book by uh, Norman Wright, Crisis Counseling, What to Say the First 72 Hours. So what do you think of the, the paper, Vicar? Well, that last page you had a point on there about the pastor counseling because of love, he's not getting anything for it. And that was a major argument for Christian counseling compared to secular counseling. Pastors aren't in it for the money. They're not getting paid for that counseling session by the hour like the other counselors are. And I would say, too, that I don't even like the word counseling in this setting. It's being a pastor to youth. Right. You know what I mean? Counseling yeah. is about... I mean, the, I mean, what I don't like about the Pete, it has no teeth. Right? The, the paper doesn't really say, talk about, you know, this youth is going to hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just so... Man, I got an A on that. Uh, what would you I'm give surprised. yourself on that? Oh, I would have torn it to shreds. I would have given it like a C minus. Honestly. Like if a vicar like brought this to me, like, what are you doing, man? I want to write a Bible study on this. <laughs> Listen, here's the problem with youth today. <laughs> I know, I sound like an 80-year-old man. <laughs> These gang members are in my lawn. I'm surprised you didn't mention the the chicks or anything like that. Girls or, <laughs> you know, nothing. Everybody you watch know. out for that gang-type violence. <laughs> anyway. You know, reading this paper, make, it does make me wish Berg were here in studio. You're right. I, I almost oh. want to have him record like a little addendum here and be like, that was an interesting paper. Right. You should look around and see if you have any more. I, you know what I should do? Because now that he's in the world of education, I should send it to him and have him grade it. Oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. That'll be on the next episode. Maybe. Possibly. If we can get Berg Dancer's phone again. He did it today. That's nice. <laughs> yep. Anyway, we should wrap All up. All right. Yeah, I'm exhausted. Well, hopefully we, we've helped the youth. <laughs> many, many pastors can now counsel the youth gang members. I would like I would like to give you, Bullhagen, the honorary award for fixing gang violence. You did it. Well, thank you. Good job. You know, the foresight. Gang type violence. Gang type violence. Gang t- yes. Entanglement in gang activity. Freeing the gang... The the youth from the entanglement of the gang type violence. Right. It's kind of like you're at a gang zoo and <laughs> describing gang activity at the gang zoo. No, because that would mean you have seen it. <laughs> Pretty sure that's not the case here. It's, I it's, got an A on that. You know what this Relax. is like, Peter? Maybe you've had to watch some of these in the workforce. It's like one of those very sterile training videos. That they make you watch, and the narrator just is very clinical about everything he says. Have you seen any of those training Uh videos? Yeah, I've seen a few. Like the old OSHA ones and stuff. Do they make you watch those at home and you can kind of watch them? No, they they put you all in a room. Any of them still on VHS? No, they they, they play it (laughs) off YouTube now. Okay. Usually it's in a PowerPoint presentation with a YouTube link because... it's You're not in just IQ in the PowerPoint. Room. No, we can't have that. You have to click the link and like fumble around on yeah. figuring out how to <laughs> how the YouTube thing works. Maybe you have to watch that or two, you know. Are you ever surprised at how bad at computers some of the IT people are? The IT people? No. Uh, I'm by far the worst of the IT people right now at my new job. Okay. So you guys are all like the Russian hacker type. Good to go. Something like that. We all have our, our different strengths. You know, I was thinking I could probably read this paper and just replace youth and gang member with about anything else that it would probably work. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to the Clerical Heirs podcast. Next time on the Clerical Heirs podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Vicar. And may your youth 
not be entangled in gang activity and gang type violence. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.